Welcome to Fellowship Safaris, conversations about people of color and their journeys to subspecialist training in their countries of origin and around the world. Welcome to this episode of Fellowship Safaris. This episode is one of those that has been a long time coming, number one. And then number two, just to give you guys a sneak peek into some of the people who've been really instrumental in terms of providing and being love and encouragement to me. And I really just wanted us to be able to have this conversation with them. I will not jump ahead of myself, as I usually say, and I want to give them an opportunity to introduce themselves and tell you guys how we know each other. So maybe we'll start at the far end. My name is Joki Karianjahe. I am the mother to Jerry and uh, her sister. I am also a wife and... uh, I am a manufacturer for personal care products and cleaning products and wellness products, which is like an extension of what I did the many, many years that I was in formal employment. Mm-hmm. Karibu sana, ma'am. Asante. And I am the sister to Dr. Njeri. My name is Josephine Karianjahi. I am a, an entrepreneur first, but I am best known as uh, in the in the space of podcasting and media. I work on a Africa-wide project called Africa Podfest, and co-founding this project uh, around podcasting is a big part of the last few years. I am mostly occupied around making sure people across Africa have what they need in terms of advocacy, partnerships, and communications. My background is in public health, and so I believe that platforms like this help the public have a better experience of life in general, and you never feel alone wherever you are in the world. Awesome, awesome. This is so amazing, and I am going to provide links for... Mom, you did mention the name of your company. Oh, oh my <laughs> goodness, Mike. <laughs> my company is Carrion Holdings Limited. Mm-hmm. And we run it with my husband and the rest of the family. Cool. And I'll also do the same for Johe and some of the interesting things that she has mentioned. And we'll put a link so that you can be able to explore that a little bit more. So thank you, ladies. And I'll start off by asking, when I had initially talked about getting you guys into the studio, having the conversation about fellowships, what are the first things that went through your mind? Maybe you can start with mom. Mine was, guy, what am I going to say? I... Yeah, just that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think for me, I was like, after spending a lot of time apart, we've been in different countries for the last three years. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do a remote where maybe half of us are in studio, half of us are away. And so I kind of was like, hey, how will we do this? So that's that was my first impression. Yeah. Um, But the second one, I think, was more like, what are we going to say? We have a lot to say, but what are we going to say? So it's interesting. Like we are excited and also like a little bit nervous, yeah. You know, on on how to how to get in and and what to say because 
we typically talk about other things. We can talk about our companies. We can talk about yeah. all other different topics. But I think yeah. when it comes to family, everybody's like, yeah. <laughs> what will we, what say? will we say? Where yeah. will we start? Exactly. Oh, but you know what? For the record, I really do appreciate you guys taking the time. And I really hope that this conversation will help families try and figure out some of the things they need to discuss when they're thinking about fellowships. And so we'll just jump right into it. When I'd first mentioned the concept of a fellowship, what was your understanding of this? I know none of you are strictly in the medical space or the clinical space. And so this uh, big word that I had, you know, initially mentioned at home, on phone calls, what went through your mind when you heard about this? What was your understanding? For me, you know, fellowship normally means you're getting together and discussing common things. Now that you are telling me fellowship and going out of the country, I thought, okay, there she goes again. She's going to do another course, but this time far, far away because you're always reading something or the other. You're doing something with the university in Australia. Now you tell me you want to go to Canada for a fellowship and you're first going to go there so that you get a feel of it. Then you'll decide if you want to go and they'll decide if you can go. So, But I said, okay. New experience. I'll support you. Mm. Mm. Thank you for supporting, even if you f- didn't fully understand what it was you were supporting at the time. Mm. <laughs> Joe, do you have any thoughts about that? I was just like, I don't know when medical training will end, uh, but okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sour. <laughs> you know, um, I thought it meant you'd go and have like classes mm-hmm. and maybe shifts where Mm -hmm. you'd uh, have direct patient care, but the nitty gritty of it wasn't so clear Yeah, because you'd already done several years of medical training, Mm -hmm. then you graduated and then you did medical officer years and then you graduated from that. And then, you know, you told us I'm going to do a specialty in, in pediatrics. And so we said, okay, so that one we understood you're going to class. It's in Kenya. Yeah. And that's still a different direction. Mm-hmm. And then the certification process for adolescent health were like, is this a diploma? Is this a certificate? Is it? So, fel- so fellowship was like, okay, this other Thing. Other thing, but it's okay. Yeah. No, I, I really appreciate that because like both of you, there are also other people who've reached out, you know, separately and gone like, you guys haven't finished reading yet. You know, you're still on this journey. When do doctors finish? I think it's a lifelong <laughs> process, which not a lot of people necessarily understand. And so I appreciate that despite the limited understanding, you guys were still open to being able to support where you could. And I want to be able to just ask you guys, what was the most exciting thing about it? Now, you know, when we talked a little bit more about this whole fellowship process, what was the most exciting thing about it for you? And maybe we can start with Johe and then go to mom. Um, I think I was just really excited that you're taking this idea of working with adolescents to the next level. I know a lot of people talk about adolescent health and it's not that many people who talk about the medical care of adolescents. Mm-hmm. So I'm super excited for that. I have spent quite a number of 
years not in Kenya, mm-hmm. studying as well as working. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know how it will be for you to be in winter, which is always the, the harshest season. <laughs> yes. But overall, I was really excited. I still am really excited about the idea that you thought through the whole process that you know, you are going to go and it was going to be something that you wanted to do for yourself, Mm -hmm. but also that you have the family support and the friend support to be able to do it well. For me, since I know from long ago, getting you to go out of the country to study was an uphill task. I tried to get you to go to university in America. You never showed up for the final meeting. So now... (laughs) It was okay, you're going to Canada for the, let me call it interview for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. Then you come back, you're very excited about that place and the program and the program director and the people there. And now you want to go. Then I I remember asking you, Mm -hmm. are you sure? Yeah. Shake your head like this. (laughs) Shake your head and tell me if you still feel sour, sour. Mm -hmm. So I thought... She's actually excited about this. It must be the real thing. And I had no problems giving you my blessings. I just needed to be sure mm-hmm. that this is what you want to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which then leads me to, you know, from the excited part, what were some of the hard bits as we were talking about it and trying to figure out, like, how do we do this thing? How do we support each other? I would say probably the timing of it, because... The interview was two years, two years mm-hmm. before the mm-hmm. actual moving. Yeah. And then the moving, as of 2019, seemed like, okay, it's going to be in 2020. Yeah. So you started the process of medical tests and all of the prerequisites. But then now, I think it was March 2020 when we talked about it. Yeah. It's now COVID time. So I was like, so if you get on a plane, if you get a visa, yeah, if you get a plane ticket, if, if, I guess I was just kind of concerned. There are so many ifs. Yeah. And I wasn't sure how that would play out for you and your family mm-hmm. because we also have no experience in those specific areas. So we were like, well, I mean, if you are still confident and you go, yeah. we'll do our best to keep in touch. But I don't think we've had that long of a period where we've been in different countries, all of us at the same time, and then also have this global pandemic and not sure whether you're going to study or you're going to now be like a soldier <laughs> yes. or an enrolled member of a medical corps somewhere, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> so that was my initial impression yeah i think a lot of times i thought of how so how will you then settle in if Mm. even the people who are there have no idea what this current process will be yeah and then the third question is always like will the people there understand where you're coming from and will they understand that you're coming from a context where yeah you're used to harsh conditions and limited resources but now Governments are involved and, you know, people are getting sick. We didn't have a vaccine yet. Yes. So it was not, I don't think it was an easy time even for us to wrap our minds around what was possible because mm-hmm. we just didn't know. Mm-hmm. And you were like, we can support you generally. But I think it was really hard not to be able to know specifically about, okay, how how can we help? Yes. And I think that's always difficult when you're close to someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, mom. 
for me, the COVID care and what it was all about, I was wondering, okay, they are going. Are they coming back? Mm. Or is this it? Since nobody knew how bad COVID was mm -hmm. anywhere. Mm -hmm. And my other concern was for my granddaughter. She's used to running around to coming to visit the grandparents mm -hmm. and having a lot of fun times together. Mm -hmm. Now I was thinking, now it's COVID time. She's going to be cooped up in a flat with just her father and mother. Mm -hmm. How is that going to turn out for her? Mm -hmm. Okay, I should have thought to turn out for all of you, but my main concern was was for her. Yeah. But you encourage yourself and you say, okay, God, even this one, you know, mm -hmm. and you leave it there. Yeah. Mm. It's so interesting because on the one hand, we were trying to share all this information as we could with you guys. And then on the flip side, there is the uncertainty, like the complete uncertainty. And I remember there's a time, I think it was mom who had said, you know, now COVID has even made us more aware of what's always been, which is you don't know what's coming tomorrow. And it was really scary to leave. I mean... I think Joey you'd left in March, like at the beginning of March. And then there was that situation in your part of the world. And then now on the other flip side, initially we'd been with mom and dad. And I remember not agreeing to even sit inside the house. I used to sit <laughs> at the door in my scrubs, just telling them, I don't know how this thing is going to spread. I've been in the hospital. Just pass me my food through the gate, literally. And going from that to now, we're even going across the world. So I really appreciate that angst because it was, I think we all sort of felt it with different pulls. I'll jump now to a different direction and just ask, in terms of talking about what the options are from the family perspective, could we talk a little bit about like the different ideas we had bounced around? Because when we're thinking about fellowship and going out to the country, there are different options that people, especially family people, need to think about. And I remember having conversations with mom. I had some conversations with Johe. You know, there was... Uh the different options. Do you go alone? Mm -hmm. Do you go with your husband and leave my granddaughter? Or do you go all of you? Mm. Because each one had financial implications and even emotional implications. Mm -hmm. And for me, you had gone to, I think the training was in Malaysia. Yeah. And you left my granddaughter with me for I think it was it two weeks yeah and we are very good friends we are very close yeah and she loves to visit me but by the end of those two weeks she just wanted her mother and her father and it didn't matter what I did and for the longest time yeah she would come to the house and You'd stand outside the gate when she's in the car yeah. and she'd refuse to get out because she thought you're going to leave her yeah and it took a long time for that fear to go away. Yeah. And I was thinking, now you want to go for two years. That was two <laughs> weeks. Now you want to go for two years. This girl is never going to talk to me yeah. ever, ever. Because she's very close to you especially. Mm -hmm. And she's also very close to her father. 
So my prayer was, God, make a way. Let them go as the unit they have always been. Yeah. So that there is continuity for this girl. Yeah. And also the father is very fond of her. So me, I didn't want to be left with any of you. I love all of you, but I didn't <laughs> want to be left with any of you. Yeah. And I think it's helpful to hear that perspective because it was difficult. And in that sense of what are the options. However, it also helped during the interview process because we'd been having this ongoing conversation about what are the different scenarios to be very clear with the program that my family is a priority. I would prefer to go with them because, you know, I'd had that sounding board in both of you, you know, about what the different options looked like. And I think for Johe, I'll just put a little bit of a twist to it in the sense that for you as somebody who had done your undergraduate, your postgraduate out of the country, and there were all these different options, you know, what was your take? Because you've had that out of country experience in a different culture, different weather, you know, and different learning speed and experience. From your perspective, what were some of your insights at that time? Wow. I think one of the biggest misconceptions people have is that when you leave, it's just going to be for a short time. Mm. And when you go for a short trip, I think people imagine it's like how maybe some people go over their holidays to their home home area. So maybe you work in Nairobi mm-hmm. and maybe your home area is Mombasa. And so you think, okay, I'll go six hours away and it's going to be a short trip. So mm. I'll, I'll come back shortly. So you mm. stay two weeks, three weeks. But the biggest concern for me was, are you aware that you're going a one way and are you aware that you can't afford to like skip one person Mm -hmm. and then I think one of the things that is still happening and I think I've heard a a little bit about it now Mm -hmm. is certain countries are giving people a hard time at the airport so especially if you have an African passport Mm. it's not the easiest to travel out of the country Uh, family travel is also quite challenging Mm -hmm. but also we were like In this really weird time, I think it was very weird to think about any possibilities. And in my experience, having left in March 2020, I had the privilege of meeting some of our great people who work in airport services. And they said, you know, is it a must that you go? Why don't we stay? We see how this thing rolls out. Fully considering is that... We're going to a different society. Mm. So here, a lot of people might have very close friends or close family members. And having, going to a new place where you don't know anyone, you have to make new friends. You have to um, get into a new work culture. You have to get into a new currency and a new way of spending. You have to get into new food. Mm. And uh, with those things, sometimes you just need people to debrief with. And by debrief, I mean you just need people to say, what was that? You know, we went and we were looking for potatoes, which tastes like home potatoes. <laughs> and didn't and we didn't them. find them, but yeah. we found these other things, which we also enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, even here, I must admit, I have lots of friends who are also in the medical field. Mm-hmm. You work very different hours from most people. Right. So if even if people understand, for example, graveyard shift, mm-hmm. your graveyard shifts are longer, then you can't talk about what has, you've experienced in those shifts. Yeah. So you need people who understand you and then you also need to push yourself in in, in certain ways that people don't understand. Mm-hmm. So 
a lot of your time is being misunderstood. It'll be very misunderstood. Yeah. You won't be able to explain why you can't be on the phone at a certain time yeah. due to time difference. And I was just thinking of all those things at once, but also not wanting to overwhelm the situation even more yeah. with all these additional Oh, you know, you might have to buy a calling card. I think we used to buy calling cards at the time. Yeah. And I think we we tried a little bit of that with our phone calls. Mm-hmm. And it would be a funny situation where I'm two hours time difference from Kenya. Yeah. You're six hours time difference from Kenya. Mom is busy in Kenya. And so it's a three-way call and you always miss one person. Yeah. And even at that time, the systems were quite overwhelmed, I think. Or you get a local call. You are too sleepy to be on the call. So there's all these different mixed situations that came up Yeah, that for better or for worse, I think for me, like those are the things I don't know if a lot of people know about. I know now there are lots of forums online. You can talk about, you know, I'm going to this country. What advice do you have? Yeah. But around COVID, I don't think people were, nobody knew anything. Nobody was ready. And so, yeah, that was just thinking about the communication, but also about being abroad. That's really helpful because between the both of you, you sort of painted that very odd space we were in and had to really try and figure out. And I think, Johi, you've touched a little bit on it in terms of what I wanted to ask about next in terms of communication, because inevitably you end up being in different time zones, you're in different stages like one person is doing biashara or business somebody else is in class somebody else is having a meeting so could we talk a little bit about how we were intentional about keeping our communication up because everybody everybody has another life calling on them at any given point in time and maybe we'll start with mom uh like when i start my day Mm -hmm. i like to send out a greeting to the both of you and then i'll wait and see who didn't respond. And if by when I expect they would have responded, mm-hmm. at least even with an emoji or something, <laughs> then I will ask the other person. Yeah. Where is so and so? Especially, where is Dr. Kahiti Wera? No. You need to describe. Okay. You need to Okay, you know uh, you need to decode what is Kahiti Wera. <laughs> you know, Hiti is uh, a hyena. Mm-hmm. Now here is a hyena that is taking on all the work. I had a short form, Kahitwera, so you write it in a gist way. Yeah. So I'll ask last uh, sister, where is Dr. Kahiti today? <laughs> then she'll she'll try and look for her, you know, differently. Because for me, mm-hmm. anytime somebody is quiet. Yeah. It's not usually because they've hit the jackpot. They've <laughs> hit a negative jackpot. You need to mm-hmm. look for them. Yeah. You need to pull them out of that place that life is pulling them, maybe with the stresses of work mm-hmm. or emotional things or illness, but you need to sound them out and, and hear them. Yeah. So, and I I do a lot of that. Sometimes I think maybe I may sound like I'm bothering them, but I my mother used to tell me, you need to know where your children are. Mm-hmm. So that's it. I don't know if I can add anything else. Yeah. Um, I think the better part of trying to keep in touch is the way we also have quite a robust email mm-hmm. correspondence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we share photos, yeah. we share videos, especially mm-hmm. of uh, your daughter. Yeah. And articles we sh- we've written. Articles we've read. Yes. Um, YouTube videos, devotionals. 
you know, the same things you'd share with, a lot of people would share with their friends or their networks. Like we created a small network of sharing these mm -hmm. and not assuming that the people have read. Like you don't just share <laughs> and say, oh, I, you know, minute 35 where blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. like you just don't assume you actually, you know, say why this was significant to you. Or yeah. Also, if you're having, I think we tried to say, you know, today I'm just having an off day or I'm tired or like not to try and make every day is just pure positivity. It's also mm -hmm. just saying, hey, you know, I haven't yet slept. It's four in the morning. I'm yeah. still working on whatever process it is. Yeah. And just trying to give each other space both to respond to the messages, but yeah. also to try and give whatever support we can. And of course... I think one of the best things in terms of the communication is if you don't understand, just, you know, say a prayer for somebody. Yeah. And also we had, I think it's just against the backdrop of so many of our friends and family yeah. having experiences around the COVID pandemic. Yeah. And there was a lot of difficult news every week. Yeah. Every week. And we tried to uh, support not just ourselves, but mm -hmm. to support family and friends who are experiencing very difficult life situations. Mm -hmm. But then also, you know, everybody was experiencing something difficult. So yeah. you're trying to also just stay with some positivity every day and, yeah. you know, share something that made you smile or something that made you laugh. Mm -hmm. Or even mom sharing like a beauty treatment that will work best with hard water because you're used to soft water. And, you know, I was not ready for the change of water, by the way, for the record. So sometimes some of the products, and I know not everybody will understand this, but like, African hair and having to deal with hard water and African hair and, you know, I have dreadlocks and so just trying to figure that out and, you know, very urgently calling Johe or texting her and saying, hey, I'm struggling. <laughs> my hair feels so brittle. Help. Or mom, what do I do with, the, you know, with my face? So it ranged from very deep, very, oh my gosh, I'm struggling with this life decision all the way down to, you know, what am I going to do so that I don't look so haggard, you know, so far away from home? And so while we've talked about that, and I'm so glad that you've both expounded on it, I wanted to just ask, you know, and just pivot a little bit in terms of what we are talking about and take us a few years back. For years and years, we've, we've always known that education was so important. That's something that, mom, you had emphasized for us over and over and over again. Why was it so important for you, for us, to take education and advanced education seriously? I guess it goes, I, I will not take that credit alone. Mm -hmm. That credit goes to my mother, mm -hmm. your grandmother. She, she was widowed very young. And I don't even remember what my father looked like. And she had to bring us up under very difficult circumstances, sometimes having to go to school on bursary. Mm -hmm. But she would always tell us, if you work very hard and excel, when you get to university, you, don't, you won't need to pay, which was the case those days. You, mm -hmm. Okay, what she didn't know is you'll be given uh, a, a loan which you'll pay when you get a job. Yeah. And she would tell me, you have to excel in your studies. Mm -hmm. And she'd be very proud coming to prize giving day and carrying my, my prizes. 
and i remember once i was given a towel the next time i think i was given a book you know yeah things which even buying a towel was was kitu ingine mm-hmm. and then she told me her husband na your late grandfather would tell her mm-hmm. i want my girls to study and study very well so like when you got to go to alliance she was very excited mm-hmm. and i remember i told her now i've bought books now money is finished i don't know what and i was going on and on mm-hmm. she goes into her bedroom and comes back with an envelope mm-hmm. with 20000 shillings she wow. says use this for school fees if you've bought the books now yeah. this will help with the school fees and i thought the the story would end there mm-hmm. now when you when you are going to medical school now she was over the moon she was very proud that we were going to have a doctor in the family mm-hmm. and then now i'm there going on how how are we going to pay for the first semester and then and then and i'm thinking all the options yeah. in my head again she puts uh, her money where her mouth is yeah. she comes back now with an envelope but this one had 100k this time because oh. now university is more serious business yeah and she was super excited on your graduation day mm-hmm. and uh, a friend got her seat on the VIP the dais the dais mm-hmm. and she told me to underline for her your name on her program mm-hmm. so that when they call out your name and she waited when they started reading out the names for medicine she's she's listening you know she was not very literate yeah. but she could follow the read that name that name that name that name then they called your name and you should have seen her the yeah. thunderous applause yeah so this thing of excelling mm-hmm. comes from her and she was very particular and she even said now you need to go and do master so you know she didn't even used to call it masters yeah and you did your masters but uh, okay she wasn't around for the graduation for your masters yeah but she would really have loved to do that and she was equally proud of your sister she's going to the to the US and you know all of that and going for her graduation yeah. i mean she was all for people getting educated especially women she was very very passionate about that wow thank you for that mom because i think I think we never get tired hearing about how important it was for Shosho and how it became important for you through our upbringing and even now even as adults. and i think i'll pivot a little bit and just ask joe because even for you you know in your own right you went to school and then you also got some advanced learning the impact this sort of heritage had on you being able to advance yourself academically and even in terms of you know the work that you do even in podcasting today what impact did that have you know i think the lessons are still unpacking I think it's been really critical to have people in your life who you know who are dedicated to excellence. And mom has talked about Shosho and I would say in addition to having a strong grandmother who I'm named after, having a strong second grandmother who you're named after, yeah. who was an educator who is such a big part of so many families 
and also who was such a champion for continuing to be connected to family and be connected to community, mm-hmm. who is still doing that. Then switching into having parents who give you wings. I wish we had more time to talk about the role of our parents in these educational journeys. Yeah. But I think the big lesson I've taken from having parents who give you wings, literally, mm-hmm. is if you have the opportunity to have even one person believe in you, it's immense. It's so big. If you have a community that's investing in you, that's even bigger. Mm-hmm. And I would say directly now, mm-hmm. what I've had the privilege to do in terms of co-founding Africa Podfest, working with different people across Africa and across the world. If their wildest dreams were wild, you know, that's kind of some of the scope mm-hmm. that that we're starting to experience. Mm-hmm. And coming back to the podcast, people's fellowship safaris, they're such a big part of African stories, mm-hmm. community stories, regional stories, county stories and neighborhood stories Mm -hmm. and if you choose to dream Mm -hmm. and pursue those dreams you give other people the wings to pursue their own dreams to think about business ideas to think about learning ideas to exchange ideas across the world and the impact of being in a strong education culture at home being able to go through 844 at a time when it was very rich and, mm-hmm. you know, we did home science and we did science and we did all, you know, arts and crafts and music and mm-hmm. drama festivals, music festivals and all these enriching activities, including mm-hmm. sports. And then going into a world that doesn't necessarily make space for women or our voices and the way we see the world, mm-hmm. I became very aware that what we've experienced is really, really, really not common. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge privilege and a huge challenge to continue in our own way, doing what we can to pursue talents and skills mm-hmm. wherever we go. Mm-hmm. Very well said. And it's amazing just to hear this perspective from both of you. And like Joe said, oh my gosh, if we started talking about parents and the wings they give you, guardians and the wings they give you, we would be here for hours and hours and hours and not have enough tape or reel or, you know, uh, space for it. However, I want to jump forward again and just say I really appreciate just being able to have been in the space, to be surrounded by family and friends who believed in the vision, even if they didn't fully understand that. And you are both representative of a much bigger circle of people who stood around me during this dream, this vision of an adolescent medicine fellowship. And I really, really appreciate you both for having provided a safe space for me to dream and even the support that I needed to be able to just go for it. Go for it. It's hard. And I I know there are many phone calls, many opportunities where there was a lot of tears and a lot of prayers also. And I just want to ask both of you, and maybe we'll start with mom, what's the advice you'd give to a parent who's just heard from their son, daughter, in terms of they're thinking about a medical fellowship. 
what would be your nuggets or your pieces of advice or encouragement to this parent who's hearing about this new terminology that has come in after years and years of this person already having invested in education? The first thing I'll tell them mm-hmm. is get a good pillow for kneeling on because you are going to be praying a lot mm-hmm. starting now. So you start praying for the process. Mm-hmm. Then now you you interrogate the person, punch holes into what they are telling you in a loving way mm-hmm. so that you, you're also sure they know what they are doing or they are fully committed mm-hmm. to what it is they want to get into. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes the financial bit can be mind-boggling. So you need to think through that with them also and see what options are available and how can you be of help to them, even Mm -hmm. if it's not directly giving them money. But you need to discuss this with them and talk about it and look at the negative side of it, the Mm -hmm. pros and cons of everything so that this person is going into this very fully aware Ikonahi nzuri sana. It's got this, which is not so good. Mm-hmm. So you 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 get involved. You can't do it at arm's length mm-hmm. because you're going to be hearing from this person every day, and not all the stories you'll hear from them will be good. So there will be times you, you just need to pray with them on phone. You just tell them, okay, now this one is medical. I don't even understand. Let's pray, mm-hmm. and you pray through. And like I always tell you. Our God is all able, Mm. even with the things which we don't understand. Mm. So that would be my take. Okay. And Joe, what would be your perspective as a sibling of somebody who's thinking about fellowship, they're going, it may even be within the country, or they are traveling to another country or another continent for a sibling who's trying to figure out now, how do I support my person? Like, how how can I be there for my person? What are the nuggets that you would give this sibling? I think the part of the challenge of being a, an adult sibling to somebody who has their own life and they have their own path in whatever direction they take is this idea that you may have spent some time together when you're children, but the more you grow and you go to your own school and this other person goes to their own school, you don't really fully understand what they're doing. And if you have a sibling and you have a relationship with them where you can talk, you have to think about maybe making time to understand where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. You have to think about what is their religious or spiritual practice Mm. And how can you support them in that area? I know a lot of people, you know, talk, Malik Mom has mentioned about prayer, mm. but a lot of people maybe don't even know if you're on the same page. So find out what's their foundation like, how can you support them? Mm. And if you're friends, try and see how you can follow them, you know, try and figure out where your, your points align. And if you don't have financial resources, how else can you? you know, make space for them. Mm -hmm. I think about people who maybe don't have a relationship with their siblings and they're just hearing about these fellowship safaris. Mm -hmm. Think about if they don't impact you personally, how they're adding to Kenya, to the country you're in or whatever country you're from. Mm -hmm. And think about how you can support them to support their community if you don't have a one-to-one relationship. 
it's an undertaking that many people may not have first-hand experience doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a lot of community, not just around this podcast, but around medical professionals and maybe even people who are listening and just curious about those relationships. They are great resources now, many mm-hmm. more, I think, than when I started you know, thinking about study and your study as well. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would say to a sibling. Mm-hmm. Um, and mom said it really well in terms of how do you prepare overall. I can't add anything to that. I would say plus one on mm-hmm. that one. Plus one. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely love the insights that you've both given and also just being able to paint such a clear picture about just a snippet of some of the conversations that we've had, some of the things that we've had to debate about and even how even if not resolving things completely, just being able to know, okay, do we have some direction in how we're going to deal with situation X? And I really, really appreciate both of you just being able to take the time to be able to have this conversation. I will admit I was extremely nervous because I'm just like, there's so much to talk about. How do we limit ourselves? And, you know, how are we going to put this in a way that, you know, everyone will be able to understand? And so I really appreciate us being able to take the time. And I'm really looking forward to the listeners of the podcast being able to interact with some of these things that we've talked about and to hear what their responses are and just to be able to hear what has come out you know, from the family perspective in terms of the Fellowship Safari. So I just want to say a really big thank you to you both. Thank you for taking the time in this inaugural family experience of podcasting. Mommy's making Mommy's making a symbol for money. Show me the money. <laughs> So, um, so I, I, I love you both very, very much. And I thank you both immensely for this time. And until the next time we connect again. Bye. Bye. Bye bye. I absolutely cannot believe that we are at the end of season two. What an amazing year it has been for us at the Fellowship Safaris podcast and more so for you, our listeners and our audience. We want to say a big, big thank you for you taking the time to listen to the episodes week after week and being able to not only listen to it, but you've also shared it, shared it, shared it. We really, really appreciate it. And from the bottom of our hearts, we say a big, big thank you and asante. We also want to take time and say a big thank you to all our guests who participated this year in the Fellowship Safaris podcast. Now, like all amazing and beautiful and wonderful things, we will need to be taking a little bit of a break to be able to recharge, to be able to refresh, and also to give us a chance to reflect on all the different things that you have shared with us during the course of the year. But worry not, we will be back bigger and better in 2024 with new episodes and new guests to be able to share with you. Well, from us to you, a big Asante. See you later. Bye. 
Listeners are advised to use their own judgment and discretion when applying any information discussed in this and all podcast episodes to their specific situation. Always seek the advice of a qualified professional if you have any concerns or questions regarding a particular subject matter. You can find this and other episodes of this podcast on our website at www.fellowshipsafaris.org. You can also find all our episodes on all podcast platforms. Reach out to us on social media as Fellowship Safaris on Facebook, Instagram and TikTok. And our Twitter handle is at fellowshipsafar. You could also send us an email on fellowshipsafaris at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you and interacting with what you have to say about the Fellowship Safaris podcast. It takes a village to make this podcast. The executive producer and original music is done by Mokavi Maweu. The sound engineer is Tevin Sudi with thanks to AQ Studios. Graphic design was done by Benjamin Mboya. We would like to give a special shout out to Josephine Karianjahe and Melissa Mbogwa of Africa Podfest. All rights reserved by Dr. Jerry Karianjahe and the Fellowship Safaris podcast. <laughs>